Welcome to Faith Fondue, a podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. It's the week of June 27th. We are just finishing up the first official week of summer after last week's summer solstice. It's also the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Hi, Anne. Happy last week of June. Hi, Haley. Um, good to be with you. And a couple things. Um, in this week's episode, we will discuss USNA. We'll fill people in on the acronym, what that stands for, SWIM Camp. Las Vegas, returning to the gym, the Sunday's gospel, and the sense of to be a Christian means to know a God of surprises. I look forward to putting those topics over our little melting pot. Um, But you know, you said it's the first week of summer, and I think that's so appropriate because you had told me you just came from the pool and how nice that must be because summer is certainly a time to go swimming right and to use the pool and here in San Francisco it's definitely summer I'm wearing probably three layers right now it's been cloudy and gray and that's our summer so if I want to go to a pool I have to leave the city Um, but I want to also thank you in our last episode it did come up for me a couple times this past week People were like, is today the first day of summer? Is it Tuesday? And I said, oh, no, it was on Sunday night because this came up while we were recording. So, yes, I hope the first week of summer has been a good week. Yeah, it was. And um, it is warm here. Uh, Maryland summers are not quite as hot as the Arizona summers that I'm used to. But let me tell you, they are definitely more muggy. Um, So it is hot and sticky. But, you know, summer for me is... um, in June has always meant, or at least over the last 12 years, has meant um, USNA Swim Camp. So that's United States Naval Academy Swim Camp. Um, so back in 2010, I was first asked to speak at the Naval Academy Swim Camps. Um, they run two sessions every June. I've spoken at both sessions every June for the past, um, well, 11 times over the past 12 years, because of course we didn't wow. have them last year. And, um, you know, it was, it's it's one of my favorite talks to do because, you know, I have the the good fortune of sharing my story everywhere at a lot of different places. Um, but there's something about sharing it in your hometown that's kind of special. It's just, um, it's kind of like a regular day, but then it's a special night to do yeah. it. Um, and of course, swimmers, you know, swimmers are an, an easy group to talk to. But, you know, it's interesting because a lot of these swim campers come to Navy swim camp year after year. Um, you know, this isn't just something that people come to once and, and some people stay for both sessions. So some people will actually hear, not only hear me year after year, but will sometimes hear me twice in the same month. Um, so after the first few years of doing these swim camps, um, I realized that when I started seeing some of the same kids and recognizing them and I thought, okay, I tell the same story every time. Um, you know, what does that mean for them? So, I started talking to some of the kids who had heard me speak before and I realized and was really, it was really interesting. Um, You know, they're at a different, they're a year older. They're at a different place in their life. They've had a a whole year of growth and experiences, whether it's in the pool or out of the pool, um, that really kind of makes them a different person. And it's been really fascinating to talk to some of these campers who have heard me speak year after year 
and to hear the different things that they take from it, um, which is kind of wow. fun. And, you know, in particular yeah. this year, there was a young girl um, who had heard me speak before and she came up to me afterwards. And, and and this is why, I can't say this is why I love what I do, but this is why uh, the giving talks and sharing my story for me is so meaningful. She started to break down before she could even really get too many words out and just shared with me that she had had a back injury. Um, Cause of course I haven't been at camp now for two years speaking and she carried my book around for three months while she was recovering. And she said it was the one thing that got her through it. And wow. I thought, you know, I've, I've spoken at this swim camp 22 times and, you know, like anything, I'm sure you are the same way sometimes with teaching and coaching. You kind of think, am I making a difference? You know, why am I doing this yep. year after year? Yes. You know, is anybody listening? I mean, not to that extreme or that extent sometimes, but I thought, you know what, this is why I do it. I, in 22 times speaking, this this is why. This is why I keep coming back year after year. Um, she's heard me speak before, but it was a much different experience for her time this time. Um, and I think that speaks to anything we do. You never know who's listening. You never know who's yep. out there. You never know whose life you're going to touch, whether it's in the grocery store or teaching or coaching or working or at church or giving a talk. Um we are just called to be where we are called to be, and we need to heed that call. So that was my very cool flame this week. Um, love going to Naval Academy swim camps, and and certainly when it's meaningful like that, um, that's about as good as it gets. That is, uh, that's so inspiring, Haley. You know, and I think of, uh, you know, working with high school kids, how much growth happens per year how right. literally different a freshman to a sophomore to a junior to a senior is. And, you know, when you become an adult, there's obviously different phases in your life. But when you're so young, each year is such, you know, an impact. Um, and, yeah, we um, here's, we reread certain books. We rewatch certain movies, not because they change, but because we do. Mm -hmm. And I always, I think that's so true. So for those young people who hear your story again, like you said, they have, they bring to the table a difference. Yeah. Who knows what they've happened? Who knows in two years time what's happened? And, um, that's, it is a gift to be, to be reaffirmed. And I think, I actually think it is important to ask ourselves those questions that you're saying, like, am I, it, you know, is, is this, am I good at this? You know, does anyone need this? Am I making an impact? I, I think if we don't ask those questions, we're kind of, kind of sleepwalking or just, making assumptions and, um, to get that small affirmation is such a gift. So, um, that's, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's it great. was. Thank you. You're welcome. We all need those affirmations. Yeah. I know. Now are these swimmers, do they, are they interested in going to the Naval Academy? Some of them are. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. what, that, that's one reason. And, and they run, the age is pretty, it's probably eight to 18. Um, and some of them are, it's a great way to be seen by the coaches, yeah. Um, they bring in other college coaches as part of the coaching staff for these camps. So you get exposed to actually a lot of different college coaches. Um, but yeah, I would imagine some of them are. Well, you know, as another Notre Dame alum, we, you know, Navy um, plays hiding Irish in football every year. And my dad has always reminded me how, um, how he just has such respect for those football players because they're not getting necessarily a scholarship. Now you would know this is every, is it, is every, they're middies, but what is, what's, uh, 
Is that what they're referred to? The undergrads? Yes. Okay. Um, Midshipmen and women, do they have to participate in a physical activity? They do. They have to do some sort of sport. So not a, they could do a varsity sport. They could do a club sport. They could play an intramural sport. They could box. They could lift weight. They do have to do some sort of physical activity. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. I mean, part of their work is that they're physically fit and right. um, service. So they're to be commended. And Father Hesburgh made that pledge um, that we would always play. We, being Notre Dame, always play the Naval Academy because really the Naval Academy kept Notre Dame open during the war and um, just as a sign of respect. So I think everybody in attendance at that game, um, every time I've gone, whether it was in San Diego or, you know, one year it was in Philadelphia or obviously at home, um, there is just that um, mutual respect between, you know. Yeah, it is my favorite game of the year by far. But, yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, interesting Notre Dame connection. Um, not to belabor our love for the university here, but this past week I was in Las Vegas and I mentioned Notre Dame because I went to visit a dear friend. Um, but the irony is that she was my high school friend. She was my doubles partner in high school, in high school for tennis. And I am the only female from my class to have gone to Notre Dame. And there was one boy and I've talked about my high school situation from De La Salle. So, you know, going to Notre Dame was, uh, you know, a, a long way and it was, you know, uncommon. At any rate, um, my friend was a year behind me. And so not only did we go to high school together, we went to college together. And then her first cousin, who's also my good friend, was at our high school and she went to Notre Dame. So there was five of us together Monday through Wednesday. Um, We got to visit um, my friend in Las Vegas because her husband works for the Raiders. So we got a tour of the new stadium. Really, we were there to see her and her family and their home. And it was just so awesome um, to have that opportunity to all gather. You know, um, people think Las Vegas and, you know, we're there Monday through Wednesday. So we didn't raise too much, you know, hell or anything. But we had um, a great time just being together. And there's a quote, I, you know, it's on like, cards and different pillows, but it says the cure for anything is salt water, tears, sweat, or the sea. And, um, you know, there was no sea because Las Vegas is kind of in a desert, but um, there definitely was sweat because it was about 100 and 111 the day we arrived. Now I can't, I can't lie. It wasn't, I wasn't dying. Like when they say it's a dry heat, it, it is a different heat. So it's okay. You yeah. talk to someone who grew up in Arizona. So you already know this. Um, and we, the second day was much cooler. It registered at 95, but it really felt like 80, I think. And we went to this place called um, Red Rock Canyon for a hike. So there was a little bit of sweat. Um, it's a beautiful area. These red rocks, this formation, the geology really reminded me of one of my favorite books, Desert Solitaire by Edward Abbey. So I might need to reread that. That's more about Mount Zion or Zion, excuse me, Zion National Park, where mm-hmm. a lot of Americans went during COVID. So there was the sweat um, and there's always tears. You get five women together at some point. Everybody has their moment in sharing. And it's just, you know, one of the great parts of, I just feel like being a woman is that we are free to express our emotions with our friends. And, you know, again, each of us at some point had some tears. So it was a good time to recharge. Yeah, that you know, there is nothing better. And it's, um, I, I think when you talk to a lot of people who are involved with some sort of a community like that, whether it's Notre Dame, whether it's, you know, where you work now, where it's where I work now, whether it's our church, 
people ask you why you love it and you say, you know, the community, the relationships, um, there's really yeah. nothing better. Yeah. And, you know, old friends are special. So we hang on to those. Yeah. Um, now, when I got back, I went to a place I used to go to all the time. And I am wondering how many of our listeners can relate to this. So I went to my gym for the first time since March of 2020. Now, again, I'm, I'm in California, so I know that different places may have had different rules. But June 15th was the big day, the reveal day in California, where you didn't necessarily have to wear masks indoors if you're vaccinated. So I just really, Haley, I did not want to work out with the mask on. I So I, you know, obviously I got my vaccine early. And I was excited to be back, but I, you know, I learned to lift when I was a rower at Notre Dame and I've always enjoyed it. I just, I don't know, it's very cerebral to me. Um, you know, it's just kind of that time. It's a little more quiet. Like I hop on the treadmill just to warm up, you know, walking. And then I, I don't do anything major. Like there's no massive squatting or deadlifts, you know, that are going to crush any records, but it's just so good for your body and it's great to be there. And then the best part, speaking of community, is just running into people. I mean, you just chat it up, at least I do when I'm at the gym with, you know, regulars. The only downside of this is I was, I could, like, getting out of bed on Friday, I was so sore. I was so stiff from, like, from the, like, lunges. Okay, but But, Anne, I got to tell you, so I love that feeling. Everybody Uh, says that to me here. I know. I know. And, you know, my husband, it took him 45 years to find something that he loved to do to work out. He does not like to work out. Three years ago, he found something that he loves and he's been working out for three years and it's been amazing. And he'll and he has these aches and pains, you know, all the time. And, you know, he wants sympathy for it. And I keep saying, yeah, but doesn't it feel good? He's like, no, my ASS hurts. (laughs) And yeah, he's complaining yes. about his glutes. And, yes. um, you know, I love that it's feeling. Familiar. And I yeah. don't know if it's because I've never really hurt that badly and I need to work out a little harder. Or I don't know. It's just a sense of, you like, accomplishment that I worked out so hard that my body aches. I don't know. I like to think of it as success as opposed to just getting older and being out of shape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, anyone who wants that feeling, um, I encourage you to stop lifting for, you know, 15 months and then go back to it. <laughs> sit at home, sit at home for 15 months and then jump back to the gym. <laughs> I just, I found it very humbling though, because, um, I, you know, and as someone who teaches a class called sports and spirituality, I'm trying to find the analogy and I'm like, you don't use something for 15 months, like, and then you reuse it. Like, I wasn't expecting to feel great, but I wasn't expecting to feel that sore. And um, I'm not someone who was inactive during COVID. I certainly walked, hiked, and played a lot of the golf, but I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't doing lunges whatsoever. I, I didn't, you know, I had the option. You can, you can do lunges and you don't even need weights to do lunges. So there is no excuse, but I have, I, it was very humbling. And I've thought about, you know, people who don't use a language, you know, they talk about losing it right away or, um, I don't know, there's probably some analogies here to kind of play with. I mean, our God is a gracious God. So, you know, we can people, you know, prodigal son, or we can be gone. We can, and it's not necessarily hard to get back. I mean, I, I really believe that like God is that gracious that there's not this pain, you know, that I felt or stiffness, but in a lot of things in life, 
yeah, you don't, you don't just get it back that quickly. So this is a helpful reminder, at least for me. So, well, and even though God welcomes us back quickly, um, when you get out of that routine of going to mass or even praying, um, it does take some time to get back into it where you're doing it so that it's comfortable all the time. So it does take some work too. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, my mom, my dad's been watching T, uh, Mass on TV, and he loves it because of the closed captioning is what he always says. And so I said, oh, mom, did you go to Mass today? And I mean, my home is like every Sunday. It's not even a question. And she's like, are they are they open again? And I was like, uh, yeah, since June 15th. And she was saying, well, I thought you had to sign up. And I was like, nope, again, June 1-5, mom, we're good to go. And she, she said, I have to get back into that routine. And then I was trying to figure yeah. out my schedule for today. And I said, okay, mom, well, next week I'll go back when you go back. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, just a a small encouragement. So I was in this two-day golf tournament and I played the second day this morning. And the timing, I love my 8 a.m. mass. Um, It just didn't work out. And I literally say to myself, I don't want golf to be my religion. I really mean that like in, in jest and in sincerity. Like it's a, I don't want it to be the priority in my life. But um, yeah, it was it just didn't allow for that. So I was going to try to go this evening. I live in a place where I, I have so many options. I realize there are Americans and people in the world that don't have the option of many times. So yeah, it takes a little spiritual muscle to get your butt out the door, you know, this evening. Um, and there's a 9 PM that I used to go to quite a bit, you know, last chance mass, but it's there. So I think the odds are against me going, Haley, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, well <laughs> just this week, just this week. There's yeah. always next week. <laughs> next week is the 4th of July. So I think that would be, you know, the national holiday overlapping with, you know, a Sunday. Like I've, I always go on Thanksgiving. I love going on Thanksgiving Day. Um, yeah. Why not go on 4th of July? Right. Bless our country. Right. Can't have fireworks in the morning. It's easy to go to mass then. Right. Right. Yeah. We could. Yeah. I know. Sing God bless America or something at the end. Who knows? So, so how was your golf tournament? Um, it, you know, it was good. I, um, golf is uh, not only physical, but it's very mental and I do feel the struggle. I, I, I play in the a tournament like this because to me as a coach, I like to know what my own golfers are going through. Um, as a tennis player, I did struggle with the mental aspect of the game when it's like the pressure's on, like, how do you handle the pressure? So I'd be curious that your perspective on that as a swimmer, you know, like how you handled the pressure. Um, cause tennis is so different. There's offense and defense and, but you know, there's the scoring and then in golf, you know, you take a certain approach, how are you going to manage the course? So today, like I put a lot of pressure on myself yesterday and there's no excuses because I know the course. If you play at another place, you can say, well, I didn't really know the course. No, I know the course. And then today I was so much looser and, um, you know, played fine, not great, but you do, you feel that it's a different energy than when you're just having fun. Yeah. And I do think, um, you know, all sports are mental. Um, yes. I actually think it's, it is just, it's right on par and even with the physical aspect of any sport. Um, I do think there are, it's different, you know, individual sports are much different than team sports in terms of, um, you know, the mental game, because, you know, it's an individual sport, it's just you, Um, you know, and then you have a sport like baseball, where 
it's kind of this team sport with very individual aspects of it, right? Yes. You, when you're batting, it's just right. you. Yep. Um, but it, it is, if you don't have a sharp mental game, you have no chance. Um, I mean, not you specifically, but, you know, athlete, athletes in general, it's, it's such a huge part of their game. You know, it's, it's interesting because so many athletes get criticized at times for having egos or, you know, thinking highly of themselves or full of themselves. And that I think what people don't understand is to be an elite athlete, you have to think that way. Um, yes. I mean, I knew, and I'm not considering myself an elite athlete, um, you know, but even as a collegiate athlete or even a, you know, high school state champion, I knew when I got on the starting blocks that I was going to win. Like I knew I was going to beat everybody huh. in the race. I just, I knew that. Um, now it didn't always happen, but that was how I felt. That is how I approached every race was not even just thinking I was going to, I just knew I would. Um, and that's, and, and athletes have, you know, there is no professional athlete that doesn't feel that way, that they don't step on. I mean, they may not feel great one day, but they know, they just, they know they're going to win. You just, I I think that's how you have to approach it. Um, you don't always win, but that's, that is how I felt. Right. That you are. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. I never felt the pressure when I was a rower because I just didn't feel it was like the same mental pressure. I knew it was going to be painful, but I didn't ever feel like this concentration that was, is required of me. Um, especially with so many variables and like, I mean, that's part of why people love golf though, because they have to think about club selection, dealing with the wind, the lie of the, you know, there's so many things that you're dealing with. And again, every sport has like, if it's basketball, who you're defending, who you're shooting against, like you have to consider all of that. So yeah. And obviously I'm not a golfer, so I don't, I don't understand that aspect of golf, but I will say I have, um, you know, I have a son for whom I think golf would be a great sport for him. Um, because he, he's one of those, and I know a lot of people like this, you know, they, they just want to take care of themselves and they want to do everything themselves and be responsible for themselves. And if they fail, it's their own fault. And if, and, and it's, and that, that type of person is great in an individual sport. Yes. Um, if you're, if you thrive and, and, get energized and and draw energy from other people that's an individual sport like golf is going to be really hard for you um you know my other son is like that like he loves that team dynamic and he just thrives on it um and you know golf is probably too narrow for him um Mm -hmm. so it's really interesting i there there's definitely personality that plays into it um Yep. And it, you know, obviously it doesn't work for everyone. I'm just really bad at golf. So <laughs> wouldn't work for well, me. Well, I was thinking your son who plays baseball, is that who you're talking about would be a good golfer? Yes. And then your son who plays water polo with the team sport. So, yep. 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 Absolutely. You know, you yeah. Got that. It's fun. I mean, the, you know, the variety of, of human personality, and that's why there are so many great sports. You know, the sport I keep hearing about is pickleball. Yep. Um, have you played it? No. Nope. I don't. 
Nope, but you heard about it. Oh yeah, right? and have you it's tried to read? The, I've read about it, and I've tried to read about the rules online. It's very complicated. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. That's your, that's going to be your takeaway this week. Well, I was going to give it to you. Oh I know. okay. Yeah. No, maybe both of us. Yeah. I'm writing it down. Pickleball. Yeah, <laughs> but it's popular. Yeah, it is. It's huge. Sport of the future. What was that uh, movie? Something Sport of the Future. What was that? There was oh, some eighty movie. Yeah. I don't know. I'll write that down too. too. Yeah. All right. So for our spiritual stew this week, I, um, I actually, you know, Notre Dame has this wonderful, um, program, you know, faith ND that, um, delivers the daily gospel to your email every morning at four 30. And, um, it's great. I waked up to it every morning and I actually usually don't get out of 30. Well, I don't wake up at four 30, but that's always the timestamp. Um, yeah. so I usually don't get out of bed before I read it. And I read today's gospel, Sunday's gospel. It's Mark 5, 21 to 24. And, um, I, I, I quite honestly found it a little strange and it really, it just stuck with me. It struck me in an interesting way. Um, so a little background kind of in, in my last few days, I have, um, an acquaintance. It's not someone I know well, but it's someone I've known for a very long time. Um, I, I know her personally. I've, you know, we live in the same town, but she is a very um, big social media presence. So I constantly know what's going on in her life because she documents it all. Um, not in an obnoxious way, but just that's part of her job. Yeah. Um, and her, her son passed away suddenly. He's 20 years old, um, about yeah. three days ago now. And so I've... Um, been really consumed by this. Um, and she has been very open about sharing her shock and her grief and her pain. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things I can't possibly imagine. Um, yeah. But I've kind of been living it in real time, um, very superficially, um, or very um, kind of on the fringe, not superficially on the fringe. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. So that's that's the context in which I read today's gospel. So okay. to, in today's gospel, there is a story. It's a frantic father. His daughter is is ill, and he begs Jesus, of course, to heal her. Um, you know, there's many stories like this in the Bible where, um, you know, Jesus is asked to heal um, and he does. So he he asks Jesus to heal. And when and at this point, the father receives word that his daughter has died. Um, and then Jesus and the father and a, f- a few other disciples arrive at the house. And there's a the the passage or the words, the phrase that's used in Mark's gospel is people are weeping and wailing loudly. Um, uh-huh. and, and I and I see that because I feel like I've yeah. been reading and wis- witnessing mm-hmm. that from afar um, yeah. in my own life. So I got that. That made sense to me. Um, but then Jesus heals the daughter. And and then according to the gospel, the daughter stands up, walks around, and then Jesus, quote, gave strict orders that no one should know this and said that she should be given something to eat. So Jesus has now healed this child that clearly her death has devastated the family in ways, again, that we couldn't possibly imagine. And then Jesus heals her, doesn't want anybody to know, which... Maybe I could see that because Jesus is very humble. But then he says, you should give her something to eat. It just seemed strange. It just, it didn't fit the narrative of someone who had just lost a child. Right. Um, and, and you know, I just, 
it was strange. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it just mm-hmm. really stuck, struck me as strange. And, you know, we look to the Bible for stories, and they are stories. Um, and we look to it for guidance, and we look to it for hope and support through tough times and all of that. And I this gospel just lost me. Um, yeah. I got it until the end. And then Jesus yeah. said, give her some food. I mean, yeah. do you want a donut? I just, I, it was such a, to me, it was such a strange ending. Um, yeah. So that was, that's my spiritual stew. I clearly need to chew on that for a while. Yeah. No pun yeah. intended. Um, no, with the stew play, or the donut, right, that we're giving this yeah. daughter. Um, but I, you know, I don't, any thoughts, Anne? It just, it was yeah. very perplexing to me. Yeah. Well, I think one of the most important things you added to, I think, first of all, like your reaction is just, I love it because, you know, one of the ways to pray with scripture, Ignatian contemplation invites us into the scene. And so you are like, you are mentioning and you're supposed to pay attention to, like you mentioned the wailing, you know, the reaction you can hear what these people are you know, they're wailing, they're crying, um, you know, look around the room, like, what do you see? So that's a big part of, you know, this invitation, a way to pray with the gospel. Um, so I think that's really important. And then the second thing that's really important with prayer is context. So you are coming to the story, you know, we talked earlier about people coming to hear your story a year later, and you're coming to this gospel story with a friend, you know, acquaintance who has lost a 21, 20 year old son and having a child that age. So yeah, just the, how confounding that's, that must be. I mean, this whole story is just, it's, con, you know, confounding. So, you know, Mark's gospel, it's so indicative of Mark's gospel because um, Mark is, does, he's, um, it starts with Jesus's ministry and it's just like a lot, it's the shortest gospel and it's a lot of just, we're not going to give a lot of detail. We're going to just tell what happens. And um, when I taught scripture, we talked about, there's kind of four different types of stories of Jesus and, you know, his miracles. So one is like nature miracles. Another is healing miracles. And one of the miracles is raising people from the dead. So he does that with Elijah. Mm -hmm. He does this with this young woman and it foreshadows his own resurrection so that he's not the first person, so to speak, you know, he, he doesn't, Jesus reappears, but he's as a risen Lord. He doesn't come back alive and, you know, walking around the room. So it's, it's even greater, so to speak, than the precedent that's been set. But the other thing is like, that he offers food or says food. That's also the risen Jesus when he appeared to the disciples on the water and they are, they put out their nets into the deep and he tells them where to go and they come to the shore with more fish. And Jesus says, okay, let's make breakfast. You know, let's cook up the fish. And, you know, Ignatian contemplation invites us to go to the seashore and to have this fish cooking over charcoal or whatever their fire was. And, you know, it's, it's so relatable because when somebody dies, what do we often bring to them? Meals, right? And he is offering the meal because he is the bread of life. So he's telling them, have some food. And then that is the consistent line in all of his miracles is to not tell anyone. And I always kind of say, you know, Jesus is, the temptation is what's in it for me if I have a relationship with this guy? You know, what's in it for me? Do I get to be healed? Do I get, you know, to get my loved one back? And so he doesn't want the relationship because of what somebody can get from him. And in life, it's very true. We, we have, we relate, we make friendships, acquaintances with people all the time for things that they can do for us. 
right? So it's his, you said humility, and I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. I, you know, I, I, I appreciate the analogy of when someone passes away, we bring food. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll stick with that for now. Yeah. I think the yeah. only thing that would have been more strange was if the end of the passage would have said, give strict orders that no one should know this and she should be given fish to eat. <laughs> that yeah. that yeah. might have been sticks. fish sticks. Yeah. It's fish sticks. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and I think, you know, as you read more of Mark's gospel, just pay attention to kind of this pattern. Um, yeah, I will. That's um, it's part of, yeah. It's the, the narrative. Word. Yeah. The good news. The good news. You know, she is alive. Um, it is a mystery. You know, why is she alive and other people that have died aren't? And why did he bring her back? And, you know, uh, these are real questions that people would have. You know, why isn't my daughter back? Or, right. you know, those things. So, um, yeah. That's all the more reason to not tell other people. But, right. Um, right. Yeah, that's Jesus. Um, but, you know, it fits really well with um, what I would like to just kind of chew on for the spiritual stew. Um, so I'm reading this, it's this like article and part of the article references this book, What a Modern Catholic Believes About Heaven and Hell. And I'm okay, like, whoa, all right. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, there's, there's a lot, lot there. in there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's not my article, but that's my father, John Shea. Um, but his message is that we should all approach death with a capacity of surprise. Now, I had never thought of it that way. Death is tragic. It's a loss. It's profound, you know, a profound loss. It's like, I've never thought of it with a capacity for surprise. Um, but he says, this need not be a bad thing, you know, like, whatever that means. But Father Andrew Greeley, who is a, a Catholic priest I love, he pushes this point further by indicating the essence of the Christian life is developing a capacity for surprise, okay? And wonder, awe, inspiration, we are not in control. Like, this is a God of surprise, and he gives some evidence for how God is a God of surprise. So, you know, as a Christian, it fits. Um, God's intervention into our lives is a total and complete surprise. For example, the resurrection of Jesus totally surprised the apostles mm -hmm. going back to, you know, the Hebrew scriptures, Yahweh on Sinai caught Israel like flat footed is what um, Greeley says. So, you know um, I think, you know, Yahweh promised on, on Sinai and Jesus renewed the proclamation that life is wonderful and full of surprises. The greatest of which is God's love for us. So the fact that God became flesh and dwelt among us, came in the form of a baby and the Messiah, that is a surprise. And Greeley's like message is that as Christians, we are called to keep our life, our keep alive our faith in the possibility of surprise and bringing delightful surprise to others. So just yesterday, this woman kept telling me, you know, people cannot lose hope. Don't lose hope. Like don't ever lose hope. And she was talking about like, somebody was having a problem with work and there was things that they were hoping are going to work out. And it wasn't an unrealistic hope, but she just had such a hopeful message, like literally by saying that. And I thought she's bringing delightful surprise. Like I, I wouldn't have expected her to say that, you know, and in her own life, she was a widow. She had shared that um, her, she had a great marriage. She just didn't think she would ever meet somebody else again because her marriage was so good. And 
she was in her fifties when her husband died. And so she just said, my life is good. I mean, I had a great, a great life. And then her sister introduced her to someone and she's married and she said, he's just so wonderful too. And she's like, I just never thought, you know? And so I thought there's two examples of like, that is people- a delightful surprise. Yes. Yeah. You know, right. So um, yeah, we have, you know, in salvation history, we have evidence of this God who is bringing surprise to our lives. And how do we live our lives with that in the background or in the foreground? That's, I think, part of my takeaway for the week is to kind of think more about that. Yeah. And to be and to open our eyes to it. You know, I, I think it's like a lot of things in our faith, whether it's miracles, whether it's, you know, just seeing Jesus in the everyday life or, you know, everyday items, uh, we have to be open to seeing that. Um, and that is a great takeaway. You know, let's, let's look at life through the lens of, you know, being surprised by God's presence everywhere. Um, yeah. I mean, what a, that, that's just a delightful way to even think about going through the week. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and when people do lose loved ones, you know, they're always, there's always signs and reminders, you know, things that come into their lives that are, I mean, I just hear from too many people that, and yeah. it's a, it's that delightful surprise. So, you know, the surprise of death is, is, is very real and it's, it's heavy. It's, it's not very, you know, it's, it's always hard, but there are, there's the other side of the story too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that is a great takeaway. And you know, it's a busy week ahead. I feel like, um, you know, you and I both work at schools, so life should slow down once the school year ends. Um, but it doesn't. I know you're off for a little bit. I'm still, yeah. you know, working. Yeah. <laughs> Behind the scenes stuff that the schools are systems, they're ecosystems, and they work because people like you are working when, yeah, it's true. It, it, and I still love, actually, one of the most delightful surprises for me over the past year has been, you know, this new job and um, the people that I've met. And that's, that's yeah. certainly been, a, again, a delightful surprise. But it's, um, you know, a big day coming up in or a big week in Annapolis. Of course, next week, we'll talk about the 4th of July, Independence Day. Um, you know, we can talk about that in a number of different forms, not just our country. Um, it is induction day. They call it I day here in Annapolis at the Naval Academy. So the new plebes, um, the freshmen, the new plebes arrived this week. So that, you know, that's, that is, that's a delightful surprise for not many people. Um, it is for the plebes. It's not for the parents. Um, so we have good friends coming to stay with us this week as they drop their son off, um, at the Naval Academy. So that will be, uh, that's a yeah. delightful surprise to have them here and to share these next four years with them. I mean, that's, I'm that's really true. excited about that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he'll be our sponsor son. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, my, my takeaway along those lines this week is really, you know, as we move towards the 4th of July and Independence Day and what that means for our country, and then, you know, remembering and recognizing that we're you know, getting ready to add this new class of naval officers here, you know, cadets at, you know, West Point out at the Air Force Academy, all the academies are yeah. starting up this week. And, you know, these are our next generation of military leaders. And who knows yeah. what that will look like, you know, the world's changing all the time. But, um, you know, the military leaders 230, 40 some odd years ago, um, you know, led us to the celebration we have next week. And, you know, hopefully, um, I know that this next generation um, of military officers will as well. So praying for the military this week yeah. um, as we move towards, you know, the, the holiday weekend next weekend. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, my favorite holiday. 
Um, I know. I can't wait to hear more about that next week and why. (laughs) Yeah. Red, white, and blue. Let's do it. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Yep. Have a great week, Anne. And thank you to, to everyone listening in. We're praying for you as well. We hope you find a week of delightful surprises. And um, we look forward to sharing more of our delightful surprises with you as well. Sounds good. Have a great week. Thanks, Anne. You too.